All right, so today we're going to start a brand new series called The Holy Spirit. And um, I'm excited about this new, this new series. Uh, I, I feel like we need to, um, in the course of a calendar year of a church, I feel like there are certain topics that need to be touched on um, more frequently than others. And one of the ways you figure that out is you just read Jesus and listen to the things he talks about, and that helps you to know these are the things I think are important that we need to know about. Holy Spirit is one of them. So, so we want to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And, and one of the reasons I really want to talk about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to do a series this whole month on the Holy Spirit, is, is because of this. I was, I was talking to someone um, the other day, and I was just asking questions, um, as I usually do as I'm prepping for messages and series. And one of the questions I asked was, if I said something about... <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I'm laughing because Michelle's baby is starting to cry a little bit. Layton's starting to cry a little bit, and it doesn't bother me at all. But I just happened to look over there, and I can see, of all the things I can see, I can see Michelle's mouth going, sorry, sorry. She's steady, trying to get the baby quiet, and there's just no hope. Don't worry. Don't worry, Layton. You can cry if you want to. Um, just do it quietly to yourself. And so, so I was asking the question, I said, if I say, if I say the word Holy Spirit to you, what are the questions that come up to your mind? And the, the person I was talking to said, I really just want to know the reality of the Holy Spirit. Like, how do I know if I'm having a really good idea on my own or it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me? How do I know if the plans I'm making are my plans or is it the Holy Spirit doing something in me? Like, I really just want to know the reality of the Holy Spirit. I was talking to someone else the other day, too, and we were talking about um, different aspects of church and different things that we've seen in church. And, and, and a lot of times, anytime you see something kind of weird in church, the Holy Spirit gets the blame. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe I'm the only one. Have you ever been in a church somewhere and something weird happens and immediately people are like, that's the Holy Spirit, and you're going... I don't want it. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, if I'm going to have to fall down on the ground, if you're going to slap me in my head, I don't want anything to do with that. And we blame the Holy Spirit for a lot of stuff. And so I want to talk about really quickly this. The reason why I want to talk about the Holy Spirit today is because I feel like there's this cycle that, that Christians or people go through when it comes to anything having to do with the Holy Spirit. And the cycle is this. We get the, we get the super weird, super fake um, hyper emotional things that happen that we blame the Holy Spirit for. And then what we do is we, we tend to see that we get put off by that. So we absolutely avoid anything having to do with the Holy Spirit. So then someone sees us avoiding anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They get super emotional and super hyped up and, 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 and kind of crazy and a little bit flesh. And it continues this cycle. Well, this cycle tends to happen. You can see it in the Word of God. So if you would, turn to Acts chapter 8. And I just want to tell you this quick story in Acts chapter 8 because I feel like the Holy Spirit is either misrepresented or He's ignored in the church today. In most churches, He's either misrepresented or He's ignored. And so I want you to look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter 8. Uh, so Philip, just to give you a little background, Philip, uh, we talked about him last week. Philip shows up on the scene in the city and he's telling everybody about Jesus. As he's doing that, there's this one guy named Simon. Simon is a magician. He is one of these guys. He is um, not just a magician. He's a showman. Like, he's all about himself. And people would come from all over the place to watch Simon perform these magical acts. 
But then all of a sudden, Simon listens to Philip talking about Jesus. And Simon decides to give his heart to Christ. And so he says, I believe, right? So he's a believer. And then something happens. Philip gets sent away. And Peter and John show up. And they start talking to people about the Holy Spirit. And Simon notices something. Because every time... Peter and John show up, they begin to lay hands on the believers, and the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is according to Acts, not according to Gabriel, right? And so here's what the Bible says. When Simon saw the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. And this is where we are a lot of times in a lot of churches, It's all about the show. Simon says, I've been doing these magic tricks and I've been making a lot of money off of them. But now I just burned all my magic books and I'm looking over and I'm seeing these guys and they're doing a trick I've never seen before. How can I get this trick? How can I pay to learn this new magic? And for Simon, it was all about the show. Peter goes on to rebuke Simon and and, and it was a really tough issue there. But that's where a lot of churches are. And we see that, we recognize that, and we say, oh, this is a bunch of show, this is a bunch of hooey. I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. So then we come to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, and this is the other place the church finds itself. When Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So either we don't understand him and we think it's about a show and we think he's some kind of mystical force and some kind of power, which is what Simon is saying, let me buy the power, or we don't know anything about him. We grew up in a church that just ignored him. We went to a church that just put him on a Wednesday night or in a small group somewhere and never talked about him. And so today I want to talk to you. I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit because Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit a lot. And no matter what you think about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and the, uh, you know, the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit and receive all the Spirit things, no matter what you think about that. The fact is, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and desires for us to know the Holy Spirit. So today I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. I want to give you three thoughts on who the Holy Spirit is. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Now, I don't have time today to do a whole sermon on the Trinity um, because that's, that's a whole thing all in and of itself. As a matter of fact, I was telling some people... The other day, I've chosen this year, my challenge is to read a certain number of books um, this year. And if you know me, you know I don't like reading, so it's really listen to a certain number of books this year. And um, and I think I've already met my quota, but one of the books I wanted to listen to was this book about the Trinity and understanding the Trinity. And let me tell you something. I was probably more confused when I got done reading that book. I mean, the, the words these guys used were so big, and my brain is so small. Um, so the Trinity is a difficult one, but we can talk about that one later. But, but the Holy Spirit is God. He is God. As a matter of fact, Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface. Here's the thing. 
The Holy Spirit is God. He was with God. He is part of God. Whenever God created the world, the Holy Spirit was there. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. After his baptism, we're going to see the whole trinity right here. Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit. It says, after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of... So Jesus comes out of the water. The heavens are open, and the Spirit of God descends like a dove, settling on him. And a voice from heaven, this is the Father, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. We got all three of them operating in the same time. In John 1, 33 and 34, John the Baptist says this. He says, I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize him with, uh, baptize with water, he said, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify he is the chosen one of God. All three operating together. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You need to understand something today. The Holy Spirit isn't just a force. If you were, um, if you were to study the Jehovah's Witnesses, let's say, their Bible, they would tell you that the Holy Spirit is just this ethereal force. That it's, like a, it's like electricity and it has no, no uh, life to it. It's just, it's just something that's out there. And we as Christians sometimes treat the Holy Spirit like that. But He is God. He is absolutely God. He was here at the beginning. He is here at the end. At the end of the Bible, it says the spirit and the bride say come. So the very first part of the Bible, the very end of the Bible, he is a part of everything that we do. The Bible says that it was by the spirit that the, that the prophets wrote down their prophecies. It was the move of the spirit that led the apostles to write down the books of the New Testament. It was the spirit moving and talking and speaking to all of these people. Why? Because he is God. And it's important this morning to start off by understanding that the Holy Spirit is God. The reason I say that is, is when people start to tell you, well, this thing about the Spirit is not real, and this about the Spirit is not real, and this is of the devil. I've actually heard people say um, in some of my readings from back in the, in the early 1900s that whenever people started preaching about the Holy Spirit, that there were other Christian pastors that got up and said, all that is of the devil. It's not the devil. It's God. They said the same thing about Jesus, though. So, The second thing that you need to know about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to hang out here for a little bit, is that He is personal. He is personal. Now, I, I originally had in my notes that He is a person, but sometimes we get confused when we start using words like He is a person, because then we think He's a human. He's not a human. He's God, right? And then we start thinking, well... He's a person, so you got God the Father is a person, God the Son is a person, God the Spirit is a person. So there's three different gods. Nope, it's all one God. I told you it can get a little confusing sometimes. All one God, three different aspects of the same God. One has the plan. One executes the plan as the, in the body. But then there's one that empowers the plan as the Spirit. All the same. But I'm going to say he's personal today because this is an important thing for you to know. I want you to listen to some of the things, some of the reasons that we find scripturally that he's personal. So not only is he God, but he's God with us, in us, through us. This is important because sometimes if it's a force, if we just think of the Holy Spirit as a force, if we think of the Holy Spirit as some ethereal thing, then we can hide him on a Wednesday night. We can hide him in a small group. We can hide him in a Sunday school class. We can absolutely ignore him altogether. 
But he's personal, so you can't do that. The Bible says this. He has insight. 1 Corinthians 2. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures, by the way, so just get ready to roll with me here. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. But it was, um, but it was to us that God revealed these things. How did God reveal things? By his Spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. So the spirit of God knows stuff. He has insight into things. As a matter of fact, I didn't I forgot to put this in here, but here's something else you need to know. Throughout the scriptures, Jesus never refers to the Holy Spirit as it. He always refers to him as he or him. Now, for people that may be um, upset that, that he didn't refer to him as him or her, this isn't a gender thing. It's a personality thing. What he's showing us here is he's showing us that, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is personal. He's not an it. It's a he. So he has insight. He has his own will. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. It is by his will that we are given gifts. He speaks, Acts 8, 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, the same guy we were talking about earlier, go over and walk beside the carriage. He performs miracles, Acts 8, 39. He says, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away and the eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. He guides, speaks, and hears. John uh, 16, 13, when the spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Can I tell you something today? A force doesn't speak. No matter how many times I try to get a light bulb to talk to me, it just won't work. I've tried three or four times. That electricity never speaks. Now electricity will touch you. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, my brother told me it was okay to put a nail in an electrical socket. And because my brother's nine years older than me, I listened to him and it shot me across the hallway. So a force will touch you. It will touch you. But it will not speak to you, right? It will not speak to you. It will not guide you. It will not hear from God. The Bible says that he is to be obeyed. Acts 10, 19 and 20. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, how many times have we been puzzling over something? How many times have we been confused about something? And you know what we need? We need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We don't need a force to talk to us. We don't need to have our friend talk to us. We don't need a mentor to talk to us. Sometimes we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them the Holy Spirit needs to be obeyed. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. Acts 5, 3. Then Peter said to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied, not to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit and kept some of the money for yourself. That's a terrible story we won't get into today. But it's all about offering and how one guy lied about his offering and dropped dead in church. So next time I take up offering, remember that story. Some of you ladies are laughing, but his wife died right after he did. So just FYI, don't let your husband lie in church. <laughs> I need to, this is why they don't let me take up offering here. The other thing the Holy Spirit can do is he can be resisted. I hate this one, man. This is bad. This is bad because we're always saying, I want the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. I want the Holy Spirit to, to show me the way to go. But here's the problem is that he can be resisted. A force 
Like when you think of the idea of something, some kind of force, it's something that's, that's irresistible. The Holy Spirit is not irresistible. He allows himself to be resisted by us. Acts 7.51, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did and so do you. And this is the last one I want to mention today. There's a lot of other things that make him personal, but this one to me is probably the, the biggest one that makes him personal, is that he can be grieved. He can be hurt. Ephesians 4.30 says this, And do not bring sorrow or grief on the Holy, to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. This is one of those that I find very interesting to me because I feel like this is one of the ones where we live the most. The idea of grieving the Holy Spirit, different people want to say what that means, but it's very clear that Paul says the way we grieve the Holy Spirit is in our lifestyle. Why? Why would our lifestyle grieve the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible says he has identified you as his own. The Holy Spirit looks at you and he sets up an identity for you. I think my dad preached a few weeks ago about the idea of identity and finding our identity in Christ. And, and here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit looks at each and every one of us, he identifies you as his own. He says, Jesus paid a price for you on the cross. He rose, or I raised him from the dead. And I'm identifying you today, your mind, your mind, your mind. So live like it. Mark Twain once told the story. It's an old story. A lot of people have use it in different manners. But Mark Twain once told the story of a, of a prince. Um, it's actually a king and a queen had just had a baby, and they were on their way back to the castle. And as they were on their way back to the castle, um, they had a run-in. Their carriage ran into another uh, carriage carrying uh, another family of poor people who had just had a baby. And somehow in the mix-up, the two babies got switched. And so the little prince ended up with the poor family, and the poor family went home, and, and because they didn't have any money or any stuff, the little prince grew up having to go out on the streets and beg for food and beg for money. And the little prince would go up to the castle gates, and he would look through the castle gates, and he would see a little boy about his age playing in the yard and, and being taught things by teachers and, and eating all this food that he could ever want. And the little prince used to look at that boy and used to think, I wish I could be him not knowing that the very streets he begged on, he owned by right. His identity had been stolen from him. And this is how the Holy Spirit gets grieved with us sometimes, is he looks at our life and he says, you were made to be kings and queens. You were built to be royalty. You were identified as my own. Why are you living in this poverty uh, of the world? Why are you living like this? And we look and we say, I wish I could be like that. And the Holy Spirit says, I already identified you as that, but you're not living that way. And it breaks my heart. Can you imagine the king's heart whenever he found out that it was really his son that was living on the streets? How heartbroken that king must be. The Holy Spirit is grieved. How is this possible? Because he's personal. He is God, but he's personal. And here's the third thing, and we're almost done. He's here for you. He's here for you. His purpose is to be here for you. Sometimes I think we think, we think, well, I've got to serve God, and I've got to do this. But listen, can I tell you something? That God puts a plan in place 
to take care of you. John 14, 15, and 17, Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus begins to make this promise to the disciples. He says, listen, guys, here's the thing. You know the Holy Spirit. How do you know the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit has been living and operating all around you this whole time. Every time I performed a miracle, every time I raised someone from the dead, every time I I, I turned water into wine and made bread multiply and fish multiply, these are all acts of the Holy Spirit working in me and through me. You know him because he's been around you. But there's going to come a time after I leave that not only will the Holy Spirit be around you, but he will live in you and be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is here for you. He's here for you. He's here for me. John 16, 7 says this, but in fact, it is the best for you that I go away. Jesus says, it's better for you if I leave. Now, no one would ever think that. No one would ever think that. But Jesus says, it's actually better for you. In other words, it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit than to have Jesus living with us in in bodily form. Because if I don't go, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. I heard someone say one time, and you guys can come on up, John. I heard someone say one time that, that whenever, if, if Jesus were to be here in bodily form right now, you know what we would do? If he were to show up in trustful right now, here's what we would do. We would be a lot like Peter. The Bible says whenever they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw Jesus glorified and they saw Moses and Elijah show up and God spoke, Peter says immediately, let's build a tabernacle, let's build a house, let's build a, uh, put up a tent and, and let's get a permanent structure here to put all of you guys in. And that's exactly what we do. If Jesus showed up in bodily form in trustful Alabama today, we would all be like, we got to, we got to, build a new building, and we got to get people to come in, and, and all of a sudden people would be coming from all over the world, and they would be trying to get here, but you know what, the problem is, if he were right here in this building, the building would pack out, the building would be so full, there would be people on the outside, the cars would be lined up down the streets of Trustville, all the way to Birmingham, and people wouldn't be able to get in, the airport would be full, and all the flights would be full, and there would be people that would never get to experience Jesus, because it would be just too difficult. But everything that Jesus did, the Holy Spirit also does. And here's the cool thing. The Holy Spirit can be with each and every one of us anywhere, anytime, all the time. Jesus says it's more important that I leave and he comes for you. That word advocate there is not a word we use very often. It seems more like a legal term. And if you think that, then you're right. It is a legal term. In the Greek, it means paraclete. It means to come alongside. But it's also translated in three other ways, which I really love. One of them being your comforter. Jesus says it's better for me to leave so that I can send a comforter. How many times have we gone through life and we've grieved and we've hurt and we've had pain? I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to people's houses after a loved one dies and I sit in a room and I'm looking at I'm looking at this family member just weeping and crying, wanting to know why in the world their mama had to pass away, why in the world their grandma had to pass away, why did their husband have to pass away, and they're hurt and they're broken. And you know what? No matter what I say to them, it's never going to be good enough. There's only so much people can do for you. 
The Bible says that I'm going to send a comforter. A comforter that will show up and come right alongside you when you're grieving and you're hurt and you're broken. Another word that, that they use for comforter or for advocate is the word encourager. When I think about, I think about Jay riding his bike, I just can't even imagine. I can't imagine a four, five, six hour workout. I can't imagine that. Like, that's got to be so depressing. I don't know how you do it. I mean, there's times I go to the gym, and if I'm there longer than, like, an hour, I'm, I mean, I'm done for the week. And you're, like, four hours a day. But I think about how many times, not Jay, he's a better athlete than me, but I think about how many times if I were on a bike for four hours, how many times would I want to quit and give up? How many times would I want to just quit and give up? But because I've got an encourager, the Bible says that we've got an encourager that whenever we want to give up and we want to shut things down and we don't want to keep moving and we don't want to keep going, that it's the encourager, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter that comes alongside us, lives in us, and begins to encourage us. Remember how I said that David, earlier in worship, I said that David would have to encourage himself? In the Old Testament, we find the Spirit working, but He works differently. In the Old Testament, He would come upon people for certain moments. He would, he would say, okay, I need you to do something, and I'm going to come upon you, I'm going to help you do something, and then I'm going to pull away. But in the New Testament, the Bible says in Joel, uh, Joel's not in the New Testament, but the Bible says in Joel that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, that everybody's going to get the Holy Spirit all at one time, that we have access to Him. And then Jesus says, He's been around you, but now He's going to be in you. Now all of a sudden we have access to an encourager that we don't have to encourage ourselves. We've got the Spirit of God living inside of us that will encourage us whenever we don't feel like going on. The other word that is used is the word counselor. I don't know how many times I've been in a situation and I've told Perry, I said, I just don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to deal with this. I just don't know what to do. And the Bible says that we have a counselor that lives in us. You know, sometimes the, the gifts of the Spirit, if you read them in, uh, in the Corinthians, you, you'll, a lot of people give them down the road and they say, oh, this charlatans or gifts of the spirit it's, it's it's for the you know for the apostles and it's not for today and we'll talk about that later but but one of the things that i notice in the gifts of the spirit that are listed in um in in, in corinthians it's also listed in isaiah whenever god uh prophesies when the spirit prophesies about jesus in isaiah and it says that that the spirit of wisdom and counsel will be on him one of the gifts of the spirit one of the ways the spirit operates in our life is with this idea of counsel and wisdom. There have been times in my life when I didn't know what to do, I didn't know what to say, and all of a sudden the thought just hits my brain. And I know it's not me. If you're ever asking the question, how do I know if it's me or if it's God? If it's one of those things that you know you could never think of, you could never come up with, it's beyond your experience and your education, then chances are it's the Holy Spirit giving you wisdom in your life. There's so many times he's been that counselor to me to give me the right thought at the right time. I want to end today with this. So how do I know the difference? How do I know the difference between my thoughts and the Spirit's thoughts? How do I recognize the Holy Spirit? How do I experience the Holy Spirit in a real way? First of all, like I say every time I talk about a lot of this stuff, 
you need to set aside your past. I'm not saying throw it away. I'm not saying your past is bad. I'm not saying that your other teachers and preachers and pastors are, are, are less than me, because I'm not. Some of you, I, I may be the only pastor some of you guys have ever known. And even with that, I say set aside your past. Set aside these thoughts, because you may have seen some stuff that was like Simon the Sorcerer. You, you may have seen these magicians or these charlatans, and, and your, your aspect, your mindset on the Holy Spirit is very different, and so you come at it very jaded and very, very skeptical. I'm saying set that to the side for a minute. For some of you, you've never been taught anything about the Holy Spirit. You know nothing. You're coming at it with a blank slate, and you're just like, well, I've always ignored it. I've been taught to ignore it, so I'm just going to back away from it. Can I tell you today, set that to the side for just a minute. Open up your mind, open up your heart today to what the Spirit wants to do. Because here's the thing. If we can ever get to know Him, then the gifts and the fruits and all that stuff, all that stuff will happen on its own. You don't have to worry about it if you'll just get to know Him. We got a guy in our church, Jim, sits on the front row. And... and Jim gets all this candy from places. So if you see, for those of you that are new, if you see a rando guy out there giving candy to your kids, I promise he's not going to kidnap them. Jim and his wife have already raised their kids. They're done with kids. They don't want any more kids. They have to deal with doobie anyway, and so it's just one of those things. They don't need any more headache. But Jim gets all this candy and all this stuff from people that donates because he ministers to the homeless, and so he will bring all this candy to church and and, um, and he's, it started out with just my, my kids at first, um, back in the day when my kids were the children's church, right? And so Jim would, Jim would give them some candy, and then it, it started growing, and people started knowing him. And they said, um, finally, like a, I think it was a couple months ago, one of the kids came up to me, and she said, Where's the candy man? Where's the candy man? I got to get my candy, right? You know, sometimes that's how we treat God, and we treat the Holy Spirit. Where's the candy man? Some of you that grew up in, in, in maybe a more charismatic-style church, you, you treat him. So there's some of you grew up not knowing anything about him. Some of you grew up wanting to get away from him because you think it's kind of crazy. But then there's some of you that grew up in a more charismatic, Pentecostal style. And, and sometimes our thoughts are, where's the candy man? I don't need to know Jim. I don't need to know his name. I don't need to know anything about him. I just want whatever it is that he's got. I want to take it. Set that aside. We need to get to know the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So how do I do that? Well, Psalm 27, verse 8 says this. It says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. The idea of seeking someone's face sounds weird. But what it means is to have face-to-face relationship. Another translation says, you have asked me to come have dinner with you. I love that. There's this desire that God has for you and him to have a relationship. Now, we can't have a, uh, like, the relationship with God the Father. The Bible says no one's ever seen him. The relationship with Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's not here in bodily form anymore. So where does that relationship lie? It lies with the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want to have a relationship with you where you and I sit down and we talk and we love each other. Luke chapter 11, this is my final verse. Luke eleven nineteen through 13. It says this, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. 
Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. This is Jesus speaking. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them scorpions? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The word Holy Spirit there, I mean the word ask there, can be translated a couple of different ways. And two of the ways it can be translated is to desire and to crave. What do we need to desire and crave? We need to desire and crave a relationship, a face-to-face with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand up with me this morning? You know, I think sometimes I, I, I do people a disservice when I do all the praying for you, right? And, and, uh, and, and we could have one of those moments right now where I say, hey, anybody that wants to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I want you to come down and I want to pray for you. And we could do that and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It's totally biblical. The Bible says that Peter and John did it. It's totally biblical to do. But can I tell you something? Sometimes your relationship with God your relationship with the Spirit doesn't need to flow through me first. Matter of fact, it never needs to flow through me. I am not a conduit to get you to God. Jesus said that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Not Gabriel. There's this idea that I want every one of you to understand today. That my relationship with God is totally dependent on me seeking Him. Me desiring Him. Me craving Him. Me looking for Him. And the Bible says that we should seek after God, but it says, but He's not far from you. It's not like hide and go seek. He's right there. I just need you to pay attention. Jesus said He's been around you this whole time. And the world doesn't recognize Him, but you recognize Him. You can understand because He's going to come live inside of you. So I want you to close your eyes with me this morning. And we're going to pray. And and here's what I want you to do today. I want you to pray. I don't want you to wait on me. I don't want you to follow after me. I don't need to be the one telling you what to say. It's your relationship, not mine. But I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray. Maybe you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit today. Maybe you need to receive the Spirit into your life today. Maybe you need to allow Him to move in you and through you. Maybe today you just say, I'm not craving him. I'm not, I'm not seeking him. I'm not asking for him. And that needs to be your prayer today. God, help me to have the desire to crave. Maybe I've got a lot of distractions that I need to set aside so I can go after the one thing that's the most important. Maybe today you've never accepted Jesus into your life. You've, you, you've, you've never believed in him before, but today you want to believe in him. You want to give him your life. You want him to be your Lord and your Savior to forgive you of your sins. That's a great prayer for you to pray today. So God, today I just come before you even from the pulpit, from this place of of responsibility, this place of authority. And God, even I today come to you and I just say, help me to crave you more. Help me to set aside any distractions. Help me to, to put away the things, God, that would keep me from seeking you with everything that I've got. God, even as I'm praying, I'm reminded of, of uh, whenever my wife was pregnant and, and she craved 
certain things. And in our car, would, we would have to go different directions just to get the things that she craved. And God, today I pray for each and every one of us, myself included, God, that we would crave you, that we would crave a relationship with you so much so, God, that we would change directions on things in our life. We would change directions on things in our path, God, so that we could get to you, so that we could find you. God, I just ask that today you would be real in our hearts. You would be personal in our life. Help us to see, God, how much you love us and how much you care for us and the kind of relationship that you have and want to have with us, that you want to have face-to-face, personal relationship today. And we can have that with the Holy Spirit. You're not a force. You're not weird. You're God. You're personal. And you're here for us. And we accept you and we receive you today into our lives. In Jesus' name.